Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. It is time for our Friday check-in with the Vancouver Suns, Vaughn Palmer. Good morning to you. And good morning, Jill. And I don't know whether to, to laugh or cry a bit when we're you're making a Robespierre comment in, in <laughs> comparing with our provincial government. Well, the government, this government and previous governments, uh, when they get tired of the fall session and they want to stay on track and they have nothing more to say to the opposition, they have a motion, a bunch of them actually, that are technically are known as time allocation. But what they really are is they cut off debate, like to the minute. The, the debate shall end at this point, never mind whether or not we've debated all the passages. Some of these bills are complicated. And so the opposition is taking to calling that because the debate is cut off. It's a guillotine. They call it the Robespierre moment. <laughs> and we've had a lot of them lately. Uh, the session ended yesterday afternoon on time at about 4.30. And in its last act, the New Democrats again cut off debate, used the legislative guillotine on another of their housing bills. So that's been a characteristic of the session. If the government had explained itself and answered all the questions and released all the backup, I think there'd be less grounds for indignation. But in this case, uh, there is some serious, serious gaps in what they did, including on the bill that yesterday afternoon they cut off debate on. This is the one that would limit, lay out the rules under which local government can restrict homeless encampments. So if a local government, as we know, they want to say, you can go into that park, but not this one, or you can't have a big encampment on the street or in the playground. The government has brought in a law that says where you can and can't do it. And Joe, as you know, because it's been reported in the news too, uh, the Union of BC Municipalities is saying this law would essentially make it impossible for us to restrict homeless encampments anywhere in our municipality. Uh, yeah, and it, I think it was last week, I, I was talking with the, the head of the UBCM and, and yeah. saying exactly that, that under yeah. these the, under this legislation, there it would be impossible to get an injunction. You could never meet the requirement for yeah. an injunction and it would completely make it, yeah, they couldn't do anything. And, and there was a lot of concern over that. There was a lot of concern and the government did something very sneaky on this one because the premier came out and said, he was surprised at the position of local government that the provincial government believes this law would actually make it easier by laying down guidelines for when you can and can't restrict encampments. You have to meet certain standards. You have to have off-site accommodation and so forth. So that's, that's the rule. And the premier said, you know, we think this will actually reduce the number of court challenges. And he said, he's surprised. 
And then he said something interesting. He said, you know what? We're going to hold off on this legislation and we're going to meet with the UBCM and we're going to hear their reservations. And Joe, that created the impression that the government was actually not going to pass the legislation, was actually going to hold off for proper consultation and might even amend it. That's not what happened yesterday. What the New Democrats did was they put the bill through unchanged. Essentially, it's the same legislation. All they did was they said, well, we'll consult. But (laughs) Premier admitted that once the legislation is passed, it's too late to change what it says. All the government can do is not proclaim it into law. So the law passes by the legislature. It doesn't always take effect. The government says, well, we won't proclaim it until we've talked to local government. But Joe, they didn't say they would amend it because they can't amend it. It's right. now been passed as <laughs> is. It's very sneaky. Uh, essentially, as I read it, they're not going to consult with the UBCM. They're going to meet with local government and try to persuade them that the provincial government's right, the local government is wrong. And if they can't reach agreement, Hmm, I wonder if the government won't just proclaim the law that it thinks is right and local government thinks is wrong. I think uh, I think we probably know the answer to that, that yes, it's uh, going to go ahead as is. Uh, what about uh, other housing bills? And I know we, we've talked about this and, and well, that one being quite heavy handed, but uh, s- some other bills have passed as well. Yeah, so there's, that, there's, there's five altogether. There's the one that cracked down in, on short-term rentals of Airbnb uh, variety. And that one, I think there's a certain amount of public support for that. Not obviously if you're in the business of having properties that you rent Airbnb, but that one has gone through. Uh, there's one, interestingly enough, that got support of the opposition, BC United. So this is the one that essentially changes the rules for housing development around transit lines and bus interchanges. In future, uh, the provincial government is basically saying you can have buildings of up to 20 stories around a transit station or a bus exchange. And that's obviously to make housing available um, for people who use transit. Um, There's been some pushback on that. Some people say, you know, The unintended consequence is going to be that a lot of low-rise apartment buildings around SkyTrain and bus loops will be torn down and replaced with modern, state-of-the-art, expensive 20-story towers. But that's the controversy. But on that one, BC United said they think that's a good piece of legislation, and they voted for it. So they're not opposed to everything the government did. Uh, The biggest controversy involves the legislation that they imposed closure on earlier this week. And that is the one, Jill, that represents the biggest transfer of power between local government and provincial government in modern times on housing. Essentially, the provincial government is abolishing exclusive single-family neighborhoods, zoning for single-family neighborhoods, and saying in future, uh, multiple unit uh, homes, buildings are allowed in single family neighborhoods. So multiple unit, triplexes, fourplexes, and in some cases, six units. So that could transform every neighborhood in the province. The government has been 
There's been a lot of municipal pushback on that. Even municipalities that think it's a good idea, Jill, they want to know how it's going to work, and the government has not released how it's going to work. That's coming in regulations. They say those will be out later this year. Municipalities are scrambling because the law also says that municipalities have to rewrite their zoning to go along with the provincial rules, and they don't have the rules yet. Continuing now with Vaughn Palmer. And Vaughn, just before the break, you were talking about the various pieces of legislation that have been brought in, all dealing with housing, and that municipalities have to adapt by June. What happens if they don't? Uh, Yes, well, the provincial government has the power to override them. Hmm. I mean, the ultimate hammer in this is that the province can step in and void uh, local government approvals. They can impose on local government. The legislation says once a provincial housing plan, a provincially approved housing plan, is in place uh, for local government, then any proposal, development proposal that fits that plan goes ahead. No more public hearings. You know, we had a municipality here on Vancouver Island, uh, View Royal, suburb of Victoria, that sarcastically the other day had what it called the last public hearing. I mean... They're shocked at what is coming toward them. And I think even local government that, and many of them do, agree we need to have more housing and they want provincial assistance building it. And they recognize that NIMBY can't rule the day. Even those are saying, you know, a lot of our residents are not going to be aware of what this is going to do to their neighborhoods until it starts happening on their doorstep until one of these projects that doesn't have to go through a public hearing anymore just gets rubber-stamped, approved, and goes ahead. And that's the area of controversy. Now, Jill, the provincial government has made some extraordinary claims about what this legislation will do. They claim it will lead to 130,000 new homes over 10 years. They also claim that it can lead to a 14% reduction in housing prices in British Columbia. And when you ask them, uh, where did you get those numbers from? Did you pick them out of the air? No, no, no. They've got an economic model, Jill, that backs all this up. So Vancouver Sun tried to find out this week, asked the modelers, and the modelers said, we can't talk about this. We signed a non-disclosure agreement with the government. So yesterday, I asked the minister, as he's been asked several times, Minister Housing Minister Callon, um, you've got this model. Will you release it? Nope. Hmm. They'll give it to us when they're ready to give it to us, Jill, and they say that will be sometime in the month of December. Maybe they'll hand it out on Christmas Eve as a present <laughs> uh, to all these requests. But, you know, if you're in local government, right, and you're trying to adapt to this, and you're going, oh, okay, we're going to get more housing and housing prices are going to drop. We'd like to see the model and see how they demonstrated this because you'd think that's key that the government can actually carry this out. They say they have the model. Cabinet's seen it. They won't share it with the public. Which, again, so frustrating for municipalities and cities and the public on a government that I believe once said they wanted to be more transparent. Yeah, it's a very controlling government. Uh, I thought one of the best speeches of the session, and it was delivered in indignation, was by Adam Olson, Green House Leader, and in frustration at all these questions they won't answer. 
and all these ramrodded passages of legislation on time allocation, he said, you know, why don't you just bring the premier's office into the chamber here and let them run things? Because that's what's happening anyway. You're not listening to the opposition. You're not listening to the public. You're not listening to local government or anything. So why don't you just abandon the facade <laughs> of actual debate and just bring the premier's office in here and let them call the shots? So, it, it, I mean, it was a very frustrating session for the opposition and particularly for Jill, a political party that, after all, worked in partnership with the New Democrats. And Sonia Furstenau of the Greens said this week, you know, she, she looked at all this imposed guillotine on debate, refusal to answer questions, refusal to re release reports. And she said, you know what? The New Democrats have turned into what they claim to despise when they were in opposition and the liberals were doing this kind of stuff. And uh, you've certainly been covering it uh, long enough to see those similarities too, I would imagine. Yeah, I have seen some similarities and certainly previous governments have used closure, including, yes, the liberals did a lot of it and the New Democrats complained about it. I've not seen, uh, I can't recall a closure motion, a guillotine that was as ruthless as the one the New Democrats did this week, Jill. When you bring in closure, you usually say you give the legislature a couple more days of debate before it takes effect. Right. On w Wednesday afternoon, the government house leader, Calon, brought in a motion at 3 p.m. that cut off debate at 3.30. By the time the House had voted on doing it, NDP majority put it through, there were like 10 minutes left to debate the bill. So it was the most ruthless cutoff I've seen. Uh, and as, a, as a Sonia Furston or the Greens said, you know, the Democrats used to depose this in opposition and say, well, we'd never run a government that way. Now they are. Hmm. All right. Well, Vaughn, I am not cutting you off here, but we are out of time. So thank you so much for this. <laughs> it's our Robespierre moment, <laughs> yes. uh, Jill, and I can live with it. <laughs> All right. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.